Tonight's reading is from Galatians 5, 16 to 26, and it's on page 1172. Life by the Spirit. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Great, let's pray as we come to look at this passage together. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence with us now. We pray as we look at this together that you would make that presence known, that we would hear you, Lord Jesus, as you speak to us. Amen. Great. Well, recently, I have been doing um, marriage prep. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I am actually engaged. I'm not just doing it on my own. Um, uh, so that's kind of normal. Although I have come to think that maybe it is better if you did it before you got engaged. There's quite a lot of, you know, I mean, it's like you've signed your life away and then you learn what that means. So it's kind of, anyway. But yeah, I've been doing marriage prep recently. And, um, and, uh, and one of the pieces of advice that they, that's come up a number of times is that it's, it says, you know, you shouldn't go into the marriage, you shouldn't go into the relationship expecting to change the other person. You shouldn't go into the marriage expecting that you'll be able to fix all those flaws that you think you see. You don't have any flaws, so it's not a problem we share, but others apparently have this problem. You shouldn't go into the relationship trying to fix people. And it um, sounds like good advice to me. But it has struck me, as I've been looking at this, this passage, uh, it's not advice that God seems to take a huge amount of heed to. Um, it appears from our passage tonight that when God gets into a relationship with us, he does so with the full intent of changing us. In fact, not just a few of our actions, not just a few of our beliefs, but if we see there some of the things he wants to do in our lives, it's our very characters. 
it's those innermost thoughts, emotions, and desires. Scary. Change of metaphor. Um, I've been writing a lot of uh, job references recently for people that's coming to that time of the year. And I don't know whether you've written one before, but often you get to a section in the job reference where it's, it says it wants a character reference, right? Um, and I don't know whether you've ever seen a tick box like this. Like this. Like this. Next, next. Great. There you go. I don't know whether you've ever seen a tick box in a reference like this where there's a whole series of characteristics and they ask you to tick or cross. Uh, it feels very judgmental, but you have to kind of think. So these are all, I've, I've mixed them up so you can't guess who I've been referencing. But um, these are all real things that people have asked for. And of course, you know, when people are going to employ you, uh, they want to know that you have these things before they employ you. But again, it struck me that that's not the way with God. Um, okay, so when you apply to the job of following Jesus, it doesn't say, uh, you know, these are the minimum requirements. It says actually no minimum character requirements. But be warned, if you do take the job, next slide, if you do take the job, be aware, you will change. Your character will become more full of love and joy and peace and patience. It's interesting, isn't it? This is the first thing, I think it's the most obvious thing, but we can miss it from our passage today. God cares about our characters, and he wants to change them. For good, for good, these are the things he wants to do in our lives. That's the character of Jesus, but he wants to change them. How do you feel about that? That God wants to change your character? Kind of scary. But it is good news. It is good news. And it's good news because of the second thing. We can take that down now. The second thing um, that we have to notice from our passage that Paul makes a big point of. Paul says that left to our own devices, human beings go off track. Left to our own devices, human beings go off track. Actually, the whole way through the book of Galatians, Paul has been drawing up this big contrast. He's going to be putting a table together, contrasting the ways and the things of God with the ways of what's called here in, in what we heard tonight, the sinful nature. Um, actually, uh, it's more literally translated the flesh, the flesh. Um, you get that in the newer NIV. And the flesh is not Paul's way of taking a dig at the body or anything like that, like physicality is bad. It's his special term to talk about human beings without God. Human beings apart from God, on default, left to their own devices. And he says to us, he reminds us, he warns us that human nature left to its own devices naturally heads in the opposite direction to the things God has for us. We're like a clock that runs slow. We're like a compass that can no longer find north. It's only a matter of time before we go off course without God. 
So why does Paul, and why am I highlighting this slightly depressing, maybe prickly fact? Well, um, there is a point. Uh, I had a colleague uh, a number of years ago, and uh, she had the very, I think it's a gift, really, um, the ability to get lost in absolutely any circumstance. It didn't matter how short the journey or how well she knew the area, actually. Just the ability to get lost. It was quite, quite amazing. She had no sense of direction at all. I shall not name any names. That would be slander. Um, and anyway, that would have been fine. Having no sense of direction is kind of okay, as long as you realize it. As long as you, uh, you know, you use your phone and you, 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 you know, stick looking at it. You let someone else navigate. Um, you, you know, ask for directions. But the problem came, and it did regularly come, when you don't admit that your sense of direction's off. And this, I, I've many a journey I could regale you with the stories uh, of where we would, you know, we would get to a point and I'd be like, do you want me to, no, no, I know where I'm going. Uh, and then she would confidently stride off in exactly the opposite direction to where we were supposed to be going. Sure, certain that her inner compass was correct. But it wasn't. Um, I normally just stood there until, anyway. Uh. <laughs> Guys, there, there is this myth out there in the world, and um, you find it in many places. We find it on posters. We find it on Facebook. We find it in Disney. We, I actually mean that seriously. It, we, you find it a lot in Disney um, and in songs. This myth that the way to what's right, the way to happiness is to listen to your heart, is to follow your dreams, is to just give in and follow your innermost desires. Um, if it feels so right, how can it be wrong? Have you heard that recently in any form? That's actually an Elvis song. Um, but we hear it, don't we, in different forms. If it feels so right, how can it be wrong? Maybe someone talking about a relationship, maybe someone talking about something they want to do, but it feels so right, how can it be wrong? But Paul reminds us, um, he says to us, um, that's not true. The flesh, human beings without God, desire what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with one another. And then in the new NIV, it says, so that you are not to do whatever you want. So that you are not to do whatever you want. What a challenge. I don't know whether you've experienced this. Maybe you have. But when you start trying to follow Jesus, it sometimes is like jumping into a battle. Except very often I find anyway that my biggest enemy is me. It's me. It's the things I want. It's the old ways that I used to live by, the habits and desires that I had. Paul reminds us that yes, we, uh, we were made good, but we are broken. And since the fall, we've, we can't trust our natural appetites and inclination. I would love to eat hot dogs for lunch every day. And Ed knows that's true, but it's not good for me. <laughs> and we can't trust our natural inclinations to lead us to the things of God. 
We have to look to him. And in verses 19 and 20, Paul lists, doesn't he? We won't go through them, but a whole series of things that human beings naturally get wrong, go off track with when we are left to our own devices. So, question, what's the answer? What's the answer to this human propensity to go off track? Well, um, the answer that I often jump to, and we so often jump to, is we can fix ourselves. We can fix ourselves. A lot of people think, you know, we can fix ourselves. You know, there are those that think liberation's the answer, just go with the flow. And maybe we're in that camp. But others of us, the sensible among us, think legislation is the way forward. Not liberation, legislation, which is alliterative, which is great. And if we just find better rules, better systems, we'll be able to solve this problem. You know, that's what world politics is offering us right now, isn't it? You know, that age-old choice between, uh, between legislate or liberate, between right or left, between Le Pen or Macron, or between regulate or deregulate, you know, as if, and there's this kind of just, it's a very nice feeling that, guys, if we only just find the right balance between the two, if we just get the system right, then we will have solved this. Except it isn't just on a world scale, is it? We, we feel it for ourselves as well, personally. If we just find that system, that balance, Paul was writing to the church in Galatia, and, and two groups of people were thinking the same thing, except they were applying it to faith. You know, on the one hand, um, you know, those who thought that the solution for godly character was, let's go back to the old ways. Let's go back to observing the law and, and tightening up, stricting up the, the, the religious. You know, that's what the church needs, more stricter rules. And then on the other hand, those are that, no, we are free now. We're free. We just go with the flow. But Paul says that neither of these merely human solutions are going to get us there. They're not the answer. The real answer to human brokenness is something much deeper and much more powerful. And that's our next big point from this passage. We need the personal presence of God in our lives. Each and every one of us, without, without remainder, needs the Holy Spirit in our lives to change us and to guide us. Paul starts our passage that we read today by saying, live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's the answer. The Holy Spirit brings far more liberation than any going with the flow will. The Holy Spirit doesn't just leave us to go off track. He leads us into the things of God. He fashions Jesus' character in us. He, he makes us more us than we'll ever be trying to go in our own direction. You will be more free and more you following the Holy Spirit than you will doing your own thing, left to your own devices. The Holy Spirit is more effective than any law or legislation because the Holy Spirit takes the things of God, those commands that might initially feel outside and imposed and like, oh, and writes them on our hearts. 
that they become our own desires, that we desire to seek God. He, he changes our values and our hearts. And it's much more effective than laws. Yes, human beings go off track on default. But the answer isn't to fix ourselves. We need the personal presence of God in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit. And you know, guys, that's what the rest of the world needs too. When we look at politics, um, it's good to get involved in politics. It's good to vote for things intelligently. It's good to advise our friends good life advice. But we have to remember, when we look and we see things being broken, what the world really needs, what our friends and family really need, is the personal presence of Jesus in their lives. That's the only lasting answer. So, this brings us to another point. We need the Holy Spirit, and I just want to make the point really clearly that the Holy Spirit does actually change us. He actually does, he does something in us. He does more. It's not self-help. It's not psychology. It's not just another system. We have available to us the living God. And that means more can happen in our lives and more can happen in our characters than can happen on our own. And I just I sort of feel that some of us need to hear today, we are not trapped by the people we've become. We're not trapped by the idiosyncrasies we have developed. We're not trapped by our habits or our genes or anything else because God is involved. And he is able to do something radically more and different. Now, I could tell you amazing stories about Bible characters who have been transformed by the Holy Spirit. And you could look at the life of Moses. You could look at the life of Joseph or Peter or Paul. See how they change. But I, I thought we'd get a real live Christian up here. So Sam, would you like to come up? And I've asked Sam just to share a little bit of what God's been doing in his life um, to encourage us. So I've mentioned your first name. Sam, what's your last name? Lines. Fantastic. There you go. It's a great start. Sam, um, Sam, tell us a bit about yourself so we know, we know a bit more who you are. Um, so I'm Sam. I go to Anglia Ruskin. I study sports coaching. And awesome. And how long have you been part of HT? Uh, for two years. Fantastic. So Sam is part of our uh, uh, student work here, and it's been awesome to get to know him over, over the last couple of years. So Sam, what has God been doing in your life recently? So he's completely changed my whole perspective on things and how I deal with stress. And he's completely flipped me from being in a really low, um, hopeless place to being completely at peace. So peace. God's been doing peace in your life. So let's, let's unpack that a little bit more, Sam. You know, a lot of us struggle, struggle with sort of stress. What, what did it look like before, let's say a year ago, or what, what was going on? So specifically last semester, I was incredibly anxious. I'd, stu- I'd suffer with real paralyzing panic attacks um, and I just couldn't deal with life stresses at all. So how, how often would that happen? And, and, and how long have you, has this been an issue for you? Um, it would happen sometimes daily. Um, yeah, um, and it really developed. Uh, probably about July last year, but it got to the stage where I almost ended up in hospital over it. Wow, so that's pretty big. And um, so what's the situation like now? 
Um, God's completely changed my life around. Um, so around New Year, um, God said to me, if you stick by me, um, this year will be an amazing year. Um, so one of the things I've really made a priority is going to um, the student night risky and then going to um, church on Sunday, whereas I was a bit in and out of church before. Um, and then just making sure that I pray um, regularly and really develop a real deep relationship with God and through that he's given me the utmost peace going and um, yeah it's just it's just been amazing so so how's your how's it changed this last couple of months of what, what what's it like um, now that God's been at work in your life um, it's fantastic rather when I get stressed rather than kind of trying to deal with things by myself all I want to do is lean is lean on God and that makes all the difference in the world. I feel so at peace. I feel able to talk to, uh, talk about God to my friends. I feel able to come to God about things, and yeah, it's just completely changed. Sam, that is awesome to hear. Thank you for sharing. Uh, that's what, should we give Sam a round of applause? Thanks, Sam. That's just one story, and uh, peace was the peace was something there. Um, I just wondered whether there's anyone else who wants to come and share, very briefly, just like that, just very short, about something God's been doing in their character. And I had a little bit of a sense beforehand that there might be someone who wanted to share about God's been doing something about anger in their life or has been, or when you became a Christian, that God did that in your life. So, I've got a backup, don't worry. But Does anyone like to, yeah. Hey. Um, uh, three years ago, my parents split up. Um, I was really angry about this. I had a lot of anger specifically towards my dad, um, and um, I didn't want to pray for him. I didn't want to forgive him, um, and every time I thought about the situation, thought about my dad, um, this kind of wall went up of um, frustration and anger, um, and I had this moment when the Lord convicted me and said, um, you need to learn to love like I love and not like how you want to love. And um, I, I was reading through the Gospel of Luke, and this phrase came out where it said, pray for those who've hurt you. And I shut it down. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And um, yeah, the following day, I was on like a long train journey back to Manchester, which is where my parents live. And um, on the train, the Lord spoke to me really, really clearly. <laughs> I was like, you need to let go of anger. You need to love like, like I love you, like I have forgiven you. Um, and that, that moment was, was really powerful for me and set me on a, on a different path that um, it's not so clear cut as I didn't forgive and then I forgave, but that um, the Holy Spirit did a, a work in my life of, of teaching me to love like Jesus loved, rather than how I wanted to love. Um, yeah. Is that okay? 
Because I think there's sometimes we, we get the feeling that, you know, when you, you know, when you move to university or you, you move on, you know, beyond age 17, your character is kind of fixed. And all you're going to do is become more like that, plus a little bit more grumpy. It's not true. It may be true naturally. I'm not making any comments. But it, 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 we, are, we are not trapped by the people that we've become. God, God can change us and does and does. So just want to uh, make one little final point, really, because it would be wrong for us to just stop there, stop by just saying God can change us. Paul doesn't tell us that God can change us just so that we'd walk away. <laughs> he tells us this so that we would actively seek this in our life, actively seek this work of character change in our life. Paul says, live by the Spirit. He says, be led by the Spirit. He says, keep in step with the Spirit. Those are all things we are being called to do, to choose to do. I don't know whether you've ever noticed, but one of the fruits of the Spirit, something I, God is growing in us, is self-control. We're still involved in this. It's still our decisions. It's still us who are learning to be gentle, us who are kind, us who are being self-controlled. We're not completely uninvolved and passive in this. And he's telling us this so that we would actively seek his work in our lives. Are we willing to do that? It is painful. You know, I said at the beginning, what do you feel about the fact that God wants to change you? It's embarrassing. It's difficult. But it's liberating. It's amazing. So three very brief things that we might do if we wanted to take this a bit further with God. Number one. There's a place for taking stock of our character. Just kind of taking a review. When was the last time you did a character review of yourself? We are amazingly good at deceiving ourselves and distancing what we do from who we are. But we need to be honest before God about who we are. You know, if I regularly don't give people time and are running away from people all the time, I'm probably impatient. If I'm regularly abrupt and rude with people, I'm probably ungentle, unkind. If I regularly cancel on people and are all over the place with regards to keeping my commitments, then I am probably unfaithful. It's difficult to own that, but that's where it starts, by realizing our compass isn't working. Maybe you could ask a friend. Do you have a close friend or a close family member that you could, that was really on side, they're really for you, they're going to be gentle, but also not a yes man. Someone who would say, actually, you know what? This could change. So you have to take stock before God. And next, we have to make godly character a priority in our life. We have to make it a priority. I think it's amazing how, I think that's one of the reasons it doesn't happen as much. We just simply don't put it up there. We, the things we value in our lives are things like competence, humor, intelligence, um, whatever else it might be, those kind of things that you get on CVs. Do I value love? I was a real shock to me a number of years ago to realize, going reading 1 Corinthians 13, love ain't optional. It's not optional. It's not an extra. It's not an added nice it is core 
to being a Christian? Do we value these things? Does it pain us when we aren't them? Maybe the first step for us is simply just to start reading Scripture and noticing as we read it, what are the things God values? What are the characteristics He values? Are they a priority for me? Maybe I just have to come to God and say, first step, Lord, I want to want these things in my life. I don't want them, I don't value them, but I want to. Would you put this on my map? What do you want to do in my life? And finally, we need to pray. I know that seems like uh, really obvious, but prayer is amazing, and it's so important in this particular area because, A, it reminds us that this is going to be God's work. It's not a self-fix. We need the personal presence of God. We can only ask for that. And B, when we continuously pray about these things, we keep them on the map for ourselves. We keep reminding ourselves of what it is we're asking God to do. If godly character is a priority in our life, then prayer about godly character has got to be a priority in our life. Apparently, John Stott prayed this prayer every single morning before he got out of bed. He'd sit up and he'd pray. Well, it's actually a much longer prayer, but this is a bit of it. Heavenly Father, I pray that I may live this day in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I know uh, for myself that praying through uh, James three, the little definition of wisdom there has really helped me ask, and it, it, it's, it's, it's good. And we see change when we ask God. So we need to pray. Good news. God wants to change us, and he wants to change us to look more like Jesus. Good news. We're not stuck with going off track. Good news. If we come to God and open our lives to him, he will bring so much life. Uh, he will make us look more like Jesus. So let's seek that. Let's ask him. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. I'm going to pray for us. Um, does the band want to come up as well? That would be awesome. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for those around us that we see who show us the character of Jesus, whom we've seen doing work, seen you doing work in them, and we've been grateful. Thank you for the stories we've heard of you being at work. And Lord, what can we do except come before you and say, Lord, come and do in our lives more of this. Lord, we want more of your fruit in our life. And we want to want more of your fruit in our life. We pray that you would not leave us to our own devices, but that you would pour your life into our very hearts. We're going to, um, oh, the band are going to play, we're going to sing a, a song now. But I encourage you to use this song as a moment for taking stock and just asking God, is there one particular thing that you want to highlight? And just 
use it as a time of prayer and bringing that to God and then we'll move on.